Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Man, what a blessing worship was this morning. Thank you, guys. You know what, though? I think we need to get away from in the American church, the way we ask, were you blessed by worship? Did you enjoy that? And I think we need to start asking God, did you enjoy that? Were you blessed by that, God? Because that's our goal here is, is to bless God and, and not to bless you. But I love you. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying, hey, thank you. <laughs> what is that? Hey, I want to minister to you. I want to start this morning with a new series I'm excited about. And uh, the Holy Spirit's laid this on my heart because I think this is crucial for our church and also for our entire nation at a time like this. If, if you uh, follow the news, I'm sorry. Um, you probably should stop. I'm just kidding. But you notice that our country is divided, it seems like, never before. And so uh, the Holy Spirit placed it on my heart, I believe, to preach a series on unity. This series I've titled Community. And so I want to talk to you about unity this morning. And the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is That's a Trap. That's a Trap. And I want to read some verses this morning from Genesis chapter 2. As I get started, we're going to start in verse 21. Uh, Here in this verses should be on the screen for you to follow along as well. It says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Uh, This is how I know carbs were a result of sin. Can I get an amen? They were naked and felt no shame. Um, we see, but we see in these verses here that the unity that God made between man and women. And woman. We see Adam and Eve in perfect unity. We also see Adam and Eve both in unity with God. They had no reason at this time when God created them to cover anything up. Can you imagine what life would be like if you didn't have to cover anything up? Chilly. No, I'm just kidding. Not talking about clothes. But seriously, the masks and the things that we do to prepare ourselves. Ladies, you know, this morning alone, you got the hair. I mean, you got the clothes, you got the makeup. It's a process. And some of you guys, too, you're not going to, I've seen you. That hair looks way too good. Just, this is, I woke up like this, okay? So try. Uh, Just kidding. But not just even clothes or makeup, the things we do to cover up. What about degrees or titles or platforms that we obtain so that we can appear a certain way before people? And feel like we're significant. We spend our whole lives trying to cover up in many ways. But men and women, they have this connection. They have this connection to each other. And God has a connection with man. And God has a connection with the woman. And so we see this connection, this unity that God created them to have. But in chapter 3, verse 1, not even a full chapter later, the enemy comes in as a serpent and brings division and dissension. Because I need you to know this morning that God is always in the business of making two one, but the enemy is in the business of making one two. And so we see the enemy come in as a serpent and bring dissension uh, among the man and woman and also dissension from God and man and God and woman. We see division brought here right away, and this is his strategy in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships, in your community group, in your church. The enemy is always looking for a way to bring division where God wants to bring unity. He's interested in tearing apart. 
You know, I think Adam and Eve, when this happened to them, they probably thought this problem would end with them. Like we made a mistake. There's division between us and God. That's it. But you know what? This problem carried over into their children. Because what you don't deal with, your children are going to bear the fruit of. And so there's some things in our life that we have to understand. It, it means more than just me. It seeped into their next relationship. It got down to their kids. The first murder was not between two people groups. It wasn't between two nations. It wasn't between anything else like that. It was between two brothers, brother against brother. And this is the same kind of killing that we see happening today in church too. Brother tearing down brother, sister tearing down sister. And it's the division that the enemy loves and we see it all the way from Genesis. You know what I've learned in churches? We are so gracious to people who come in off the street. They come in and the Lord touched them, they're crying. We're like, it's okay, your sin is okay. We love you and that is awesome. But you know what I've learned? We're not so nice with people that have hurt us personally. We're like, that's a, that's a bad person. This person who came in off the street, we're called to love. They may have just murdered someone. We don't know, but we're like, God forgives you. But then if someone hurts me personally, one of my brothers in Christ, all of a sudden I'm like, they are a terrible person. God won't forgive you. You know what I mean? And we have this anger and we're killing each other, tearing each other apart. And I think Jesus, I think it's an interesting story that he addresses this when, when they ask him, they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, Lord, the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, mind, soul, and strength, but also love your neighbor as yourself. And then they, he gets this interesting follow-up question. They, they ask him, they said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes into this whole story about the, the good Samaritan and how, you know, the Every, everyone basically should be your neighbor. We're called to love our neighbor. And, uh, but you know why they ask this question? It's basically Jesus saying, love everyone. And then they say, who's it okay not to love? Because there's some people I need to know. Is it okay not to love these people? Have you ever asked this? Have you ever asked this about people that you were in a relationship with that hurt you? Like, Jesus, this is a person from the devil. They're the father is the devil, and I love you, and we're enemies, right, Jesus? No, that's not what the scripture tells us. See, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you need to know this morning that the church should be going first in unity. And the world sees a divided church that speaks to the, a powerless God, and that is not the God that we serve. We serve a God who created us in unity, and we are falling into the trap of the enemy and allowing division. Not, I'm not speaking specifically about this church, however, it's something we all need to watch out for. But in the church in general, in our nation in general, division like never before in the church should be paving the way with the love of Christ and saying, this is what unity looks like, and we will not allow the enemy to put a trap in front of us to determine us from our calling. The church is the hope of the world. You know why? Because Jesus is the hope of the world, and we represent Jesus. And so the hope that this world has is in the church. And how are we representing Jesus to the world? Because I remember Isaiah had this encounter where he saw God on his throne, and, and, and he, God's looking for someone, and Isaiah said, God, here I am, God, send me. And I think we need to remember that in the church that God didn't say, or Isaiah didn't say, God, send my pastor. 
to fix what's going on in this nation and, and in this city. It's terrible. They need, they need my pastor. I'm going to tell them to call pastor. And I'm gonna, No, he said, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm the answer. A God, your hope is in me because you live in me. They didn't say call CNN and Fox News to fix all the problems. They didn't say call the politicians because I'm telling you what, no elephant or donkey is going to fix what's wrong in this nation. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world and nothing that I fill out on a ballot box is going to fix it. My prayers can do way more than any vote. I think personally that I cast on a ballot. And so I think the church needs to rise up and say, here we are, Lord, send us, send encounter, send the church of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world through Jesus to do something in this nation. We have power in the name of Jesus, but we spend time tearing each other apart. What, how many denominations are there in this country? 10,000 denominations? I think we need 10,001. You know what? Because some of you, you worship weird, okay? And I'm not into that. And I'm just saying. And Josh, he never sticks to the set list. And Jeremiah back there is like, I got nothing. I don't know what's going on. And, and I feel bad for the guy. So Josh, you're going to go over here and worship. I can't do this anymore. But this is silly, isn't it? But this is the enemy's strategy to, to develop these divisions in the church because the enemy knows if he can mess with your relationships, he can mess with your purpose. Because I need you to know this morning that your purpose is tied to your relationships and, the, and the, the relationships God brings into your life are called to teach you something, to take you to the next level because relationships are about give and take because there is no self-made person. In fact, I can't think of one person outside, not connected to the body of Christ, who's doing something significant for the body of Christ. You know why? Because the hand needs the arm to do something. And the arm needs the shoulder. And the body of Christ works together to accomplish the work of Jesus Christ. This is so true. Even in church, we, I see people that say... I don't need church. Can I tell you something? We are called to live in community. Whatever that looks like for you, you can't do it alone. We, we need each other. We are the body of Christ, and the church is the launching pad for your calling. So don't let the enemy tell you to run from relationship and intimacy because it gets ugly and it gets messy, but only through that are you going to grow and be stretched and allow God to change you and do something in your life. There's a lot of times I wanted to run away when things get hot and relationships get hard and people in authority over me start calling things out of me. But you know what? If you submit and say, you know what, God, I'm not going to run no matter what. The enemy is not going to throw me off. Guess what? You grow past those things and grow into what God is calling you to do. There's purpose on the other side of that uncomfortable conversation conversation. But God wants to connect you to the right people to get you where he wants you to go. And the enemy knows if he can mess with your relationships, he can mess with your purpose. Sons and daughters, think about that. If, if the enemy can mess with your relationship with your mom, he can affect the way you trust people. If he can mess with your relationship with your dad, he can, he can mess with the way that you view God. And so he's constantly trying to bring division in family. Um, or if he can mess with that relationship at work, he can steal your joy. Because you know what? You got to work with this person like 40 to 50 hours a week. And if, they, if it's, you just cannot stand this person, if they're always attacking you, that can steal your joy real quick if you can allow him to bring division there. It's no, you no longer will see your job as a mission field. You see, you'll see your job as misery. And I think there's many of us that are allowing the enemy to bring this division into our workplaces, into our families, and allowing it to stop us from being, um, from being effective for the kingdom of God. See, the thing I've seen the enemy use over and over 
is the same thing that the scripture, the word used in scripture for it actually means a trap and that's offense. The enemy wants to use offense in your life to be a trap, to set a trap to deter you from your purposes of God. Um, that the, maybe you've been offended and by someone who made you feel insulted. Maybe they were talking down to you. Maybe you, you just feel like they hurt you and they did something to you. And now there's an offense that's been become a trap in your life. It's kind of like one of these. You ever seen one of these? Hopefully not. If you, unfortunately, I've seen too many of these. Not for catching mice, for, for entertaining teenagers. And you know what? If I can still set one without snapping myself. You are terrible. There we go. But do you know, these, this is a trap that is set for a mouse. And, and I've learned that offense is a trap being sent, set. It's an event. But offended is a choice I make to put myself in the trap. Should I do it? You know what? This would be a great time to have like a stunt double. You know what I'm saying? Like to come up. Oh, there he is. Come on up, buddy. Let's see this. Let's see what you got here. All right. All right. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. So if I was to put my hand in this, how many of you want to see me put my hand in my stunt double, put my hand in this trap? Go ahead, buddy. Do it. It's a trap. He made a... Oh, I didn't even pinch him. Good job. Thank you, stunt double. No, no, no. That's not going to go viral on YouTube. We need a retake. I'll go, go sit down. We'll start. You know what? He made a choice to put himself in the trap. The trap was laid, but he didn't have to choose to fall into it. And offense is the same way in your life. There's traps that get laid in front of you, but you got to make a choice whether you're going to step on them or not. I've learned uh, being some things, thing or two about offense being married. How do you know you don't stay married for 16 years without learning to step over a trap or two? Can I get it? Amen. For me, this is for me. This is counseling. All right. I don't have money for a counselor, so I'm just going to talk to you. Um, I, uh, I learned for me, an offense or a trap might look like this with my wife. She, she'll text me and say, what are we doing for dinner tonight? And you see that to me, immediately I think to myself, this is a trap. Because you know what she's really saying is, I'm not cooking tonight, so what are you going to do about it? (laughs) That's what that means, okay? I've learned. It's a trap. Now I have a choice whether to step in the trap and say something like, I don't know, you tell me. Not good. Not good. I've learned a time or two. I've lost a few toes stepping in that trap. Or I can say, you know what, babe? I'm going to pick something up on the way home. Well, doesn't that sound good? Yes, that does sound good. Praise God. I stepped over a trap. <laughs> marriage advice right here. Women, maybe for you, it looks like this. You've told him over and over, throw your socks in the hamper, okay? But then you walk into your bedroom, and all of a sudden, right there, set before you is a trap. And you got to make a choice. Am I going to flip out, get irritated, and it's not going to hurt him. It's going to hurt me. I'm going to be the one to flip out and go crazy and get, and get irritated and hurt by this thing. I'm going to step in this thing and be frustrated and cold and upset and think I'm getting back at him. Or I can figure out another way to handle this and step over it. Here's another example. Maybe you've been through this yourself. We have friend A, okay, this invisible person, and this invisible person's friend B. And they've been friends since high school. They do everything together, right? They're always together. Wherever you see friend A, you always see friend B. And then all of a sudden, friend A meets a new friend, friend C. 
And he introduces him to friend B, and they all become friends. They're all hanging out, doing life together. Everything's going good. And then you know what happens? Friend A has a conflict with friend B. And now all of a sudden, friend B is no longer allowed to hang out with friend C. Why? Because friend A brought friend C into the relationship. And so now friend C is no longer allowed to hang out with friend B. Did I lose you? Because, because we've, we've done this thing where now, you know what I'm talking about. This has happened to you where now this offense affects friend C as much as it affects friend A and B. Because friend C has now had to make a choice to take on the offense of friend B at friend A. Or friend A at friend B. I lost you now. I lost myself. I don't even know. Lazarus something. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm asking you this morning, this has probably happened to you. Okay, this friend A, B, and C stuff that I just messed every, with everybody with. This has happened to you where you've taken on the offense of someone else. You know why? Because we will always choose to believe the first story we hear. It's a weird thing. So friend A told me something about B, and now I can't like, I can't like B. So I, I can't be friends with either of them. And you know what? There's an African proverb that puts it this way. And it says, until the lion learns to write, the hunter's story will always glorify the hunter. Because until you hear the other side of the story, every story written will glorify the person who's writing this story. But I need you to know that there are two sides to every story, and every story you hear is going to victimize the person telling it and villainize the person on the other side of it. And so we got to be wise not to take on the offense of others. See, the only way to see if the hunter is telling the truth or if he's lying, see what I did there? No? Um, is to ask the lion. And I don't have to take on every offense or every trap that's set before me because um, we're, we're in danger of picking up someone else's offense. Matthew 16 puts it this way. It says, when Jesus came to the region, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter asked, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. Okay, Jesus is saying, I'm changing your name to Dwayne Johnson this morning. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I need you to know this morning, the church is not a building, it's a people, and it's a people that Jesus built to tear down the gates of hell. We are not afraid of hell, hell is afraid of us, and, and we are created for that purpose, to be the church of God, the, these people that God has put together. And then I want to go on to verse 21, it, it says this, remember, we left off in verse 18, and now we're going three verses ahead. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. In other words, listen, Jesus, okay? This is the rock talking. I hope you smell what the rock is cooking because you ain't dying, all right? We're not going to let that happen to you. But Jesus then turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Okay, you think you've had a bad day, all right? This is, this is 
an, a crazy, crazy bad day. Has Jesus ever called you Satan on your worst day? Okay, I don't think that's happened to any of us. But on this day, Peter, the, the same day that Jesus said, you're the rock. And now Peter's asking, now I'm Satan? What happened? I don't understand. Three verses later, and now I'm Satan. But this is, you can't judge him because you know what? You're kind of like Peter. This is you from Sunday to Thursday. Because on Sunday, you're clapping. And on, on Thursday, you're snapping at your wife, right? On Sunday, you might be worshiping. But on Thursday, you're worrying. On Sunday, you might be falling out in the spirit. But on Thursday, you're falling apart. This is like us. We're a lot more like Peter than we think. And, and Peter, he says, you're a stumbling block to me. And this word here that Jesus uses is he's saying, you're a trigger of a trap. You're the trigger of a trap for my life. You don't want what God wants for me. You, you want to trip me up from my purpose. He laid an offense before Jesus, and Jesus is calling him out on it. You think you're helping me by rebuking me, but Jesus is saying, I didn't come to be lifted up on a throne. I came to be lifted up on a cross to call those that are far from God to, to come into relationship with him, to call those that are hopeless and hurting and broken so that are far from God to know that I care for them, for the depressed and, and those that are lonely. I care for them, and I came for those people to let them know that there's hope. And here you are, Jesus. Now you're trying to trap me. Or, now here you are, Peter. Now you're trying to trap me. And Peter's saying, Jesus, you don't got to die. You don't got to do all that, Jesus, okay? We, we're going to do this thing. You're going to be on the throne. It's okay. You don't got to do all that. And maybe for you, this looks like in church, hey, man, you don't got to do all that, okay? You can love God from home. You don't got to go to church every Sunday. You don't got to worship like that, all right? You're doing too much. You don't got to serve. You don't got to give. You're just doing too much. And can I tell you, there is a trap laid by the enemy over this generation that tells you that serving God, giving to God, worshiping God, and living for God is too much. And it is not too much. It's too little. Everything you have is too too little to give to the God who created everything, the King of Kings who called you from the gutter into his light and saved you. But the trap goes down and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then I want to tell you about one more trap here in Matthew chapter 11. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John whatever you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The word stumble here is the same word. It means falling into a trap. So my question for you this morning is, is if Jesus had to avoid a trap, John the Baptist had to avoid a trap, what makes you think the enemy is going to let you get away without putting a few traps in front of you? Because I promise you, he is and he already has. And I, I believe this morning that God is going to open up some people's eyes to say, you know what, I'm not going to fall into any more traps. I'm going to grow into maturity and step over every trap the enemy puts in my way. Because offense is an event, but offended is a choice. And I'm making a different choice. I'm not allowing my potential to be sucked dry because of an offense in my life. Love is supposed to be flowing from our heart as a church of Jesus Christ, as a believer, as a follower of Christ. Love is supposed to be flowing from your heart, but instead, your heart may be in a trap. And you're not able to love the way God intended for you to love. So we say, Jesus, who is my neighbor? I mean, do I have to love that person, Jesus? Because they really irritated me. I can't believe what they did. 
and we think we're hurting someone else, but actually hurting ourselves and putting ourselves in a trap. Can I tell you this morning, I'm preaching this to help myself as much as I help, I want to help you because I, I consider myself a nice person, right? I'm nice, I'm cordial, but if, if you offend me, I have learned something about my heart and I'm not proud of it, but I'm being transparent with you this morning that if I, let, let me say this, not if you offend me, if I choose to be offended by something that you do to me, I can cut you off so fast, but I'll still be nice enough for plausible deniability, right? Like, wh- what do you mean? No, I'm, what? No. Uh. But, but you know what I'm talking about but you have allowed offense to trap you in your heart and to cut you off from a relationship that God has put in your life. Don't act like you don't play this game. You gotta keep your eyes open for the small traps to not allow your, tra- your heart to be in a trap and allow you to love the way Jesus intended for you to love because the person you thought was your best friend could end up in divorce court with you over an offense. Or maybe the person that, that you thought were your, you were best friends with, the, the next thing you know, you're blocking them on social media because you've allowed a trap to come into your heart. What is it for you? Maybe this morning you have allowed your trap in your heart and, and the Holy Spirit is probably speaking to you about what that looks like. And I want to ask you this morning to step over that trap and to allow God to bring healing to that trap. Another story in the scripture is I'm, Getting ready to close here in a minute. Uh, Josh, you can come back up. Um, Naaman, he's this military leader, and he has leprosy, and he wears this gear all the time. No one really knows, but he goes to one of his servants, and they say, hey, there's this prophet in Israel. If you go to him, I bet God might heal you. And so Naaman, he's this really important man. He says, fine, I'll, I'll go to this prophet. And he goes, he goes to this prophet, and you know what happens? He, he knocks on the door, and and the prophet doesn't come to the door. His servant comes to the door and said, oh yeah, the prophet said to go and wash in the Jordan seven times and then you'll be cleansed, you'll be healed. Okay, all right, nice meeting you, bye. And Naaman walks away offended. He is furious because he's like, does he know who I am? Like you sent your servant out to me and why would I go wash in the Jordan, that nasty river when we have nicer rivers where I'm from? And luckily, he has a servant who comes and he's, he's smart enough to say, why not just do it? It's easy. Just go wash in the Jordan. See, maybe God will heal you. So he does it and he's healed. But I think we fall into the same trap that Naaman falls into sometimes because Naaman said, I, but I thought, I, I thought, and this is what messes us up. We have these expectations that say, I thought they would have me on the platform by now. I thought they would have called me after that, that person in my life uh, passed away. I thought, I thought, I thought that they would have apologized by now. I thought I was going to be her bridesmaid. Ooh, getting too real this morning. I thought, I thought, I thought. We create expectations and then we purposely step into a trap ourselves. I need you to know this morning that If you're in a trap, you are not hurting someone else. You are only hurting yourself. God desires for you to be free of every trap of offense in your life. And there are people in your life that may not receive everything God has for them because you've allowed yourself to be trapped. And you're supposed to speak in life into that person who now you are offended and you are put on pause from your calling and your gifting of God because you are so busy in your offense. Because the enemy wants to bring division. I want to read a couple more verses here. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 23. 
Jesus said this. He said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Whoa. Jesus is saying, deal with it. Whatever the offense is that you've allowed into your life, Jesus is saying, get it right. Because I need you to know this morning, some of you are already making excuses in your head and saying, this person isn't going to want to reconcile. I'm not talking about reconciliation. I'm talking about forgiveness. It takes one to forgive. It takes two to reconcile. Reconciliation is not only your job, but it is your job to forgive and do your part towards reconciliation. Jesus tells them to go deal with it. And then in chapter 18 of Matthew, it says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault on Facebook. No, it doesn't say that. I looked again. It doesn't say that. Go and point out their fault in a passive aggressive post on Twitter. No, it doesn't say that either. Go and point out their fault to your community group when they're not there. Ooh, it doesn't say that either. Go and point out their fault to your other friends. Hmm, can't find that. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, tell them, bye Felicia. You know what I think? I think we jump straight to bye Felicia too quickly. I think God wants to bring unity, and it starts with me. It doesn't say, oh, we want unity in our church. You know what that means? That means I have unity in my relationships. You have unity. You have unity. You have unity. And together, we are a unified church where we're not allowing the enemy to get a foothold and bring any division. And there is unity, and there is power that can be present in your church, and your family, and your life. And where there is unity, I believe God puts a blessing on that place. And we want that. We want to be unified under one spirit, the Holy Spirit. I believe God is going to bring a blessing and bring his presence like never before in this place. If we can get to a new place of unity, the picture of the church that God paints for us in the scripture, an unblemished bride who's humbly saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. And so I can't expect you to be perfect. Let's make this right. When you are in conflict, this is my last point. When you're in conflict, the goal is not to get people on your side. The goal is to get unified. When you're in conflict, the goal is not to find other people who agree with you and will affirm your side of the story. The goal is to go to the person and make it right and get unified. That's it. And this is simple, I know, but sometimes it is so hard. It's simple to say, hard to do. But I'm praying today that there are some people in this place that are going to be released from a trap. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just believe, God, that there are some people that have been hearing from the Holy Spirit even now during this message about some offenses they have in their heart, God. And Lord, I just pray a wave of your Holy Spirit would come over this place in every heart and, and remind us, God, that we are, we are so grateful and thankful for the grace you've shown us. Now let us be free to pour it out to other people and not allow any attack from the enemy, anything to deter our focus away from our calling, any offense, any trap set before us to trip us up. God, we shake those things off our heart this morning in Jesus' name. Will you do something with me and grab the person's hand next to you? 
I just want to pray together with everybody. And I want you, as I pray, I want you to pray with me and pray for these people next to you. That if there's any offense in their heart, that it's broken today in Jesus' name. Father, we stand in unity with our hands held to, as a declaration, God, that we will not be separated by any offense or anything that the enemy wants to bring into this camp, God. But this is a camp for your spirit to dwell. And only the Holy Spirit will call. He has a ministry of reconciliation, and he will call it out this morning in Jesus' name. That we are reconciled by the blood of Jesus. That we've been forgiven much and we release every person that we've held unforgiveness to in Jesus name somebody here you need to release your parents from what they did or what they didn't do and they weren't there for you but I'm telling you this morning there is freedom on the other side of release you need to release that person who hurt you years ago and now every relationship you get into is a result of that same person who hurt you and your heart is in a trap this morning come out of that trap in Jesus name as you release that person and you release yourself from that trap we pray freedom and breakthrough in Jesus name over every hand that is being touched in this place and those that couldn't reach a hand break through this morning in Jesus name we call out unity in the church of God that you created an unblemished lamb that you pray Jesus you prayed that we would be one and this morning we declare we will not back down to any trap we will step over every trap we break off every trap set against us in the name of Jesus come on will you worship him for a minute with me and say God we need freedom through your Holy Spirit this morning